This is the Golden Blue Nation podcast presented by Elite Roofing and Construction. Roof with the best or leak with the rest. Here's your host, Ryan Decker. Nine conference games complete, nine conference games to go. The West Virginia men's basketball team is halfway through its scheduled slate of games in the toughest basketball conference in the country. Josh Eilert's crew is in the midst of college basketball's version of a bye week with a chance to regroup, recover, and rejuvenate. So what better time to get the pulse of this team and set the table for the home stretch of this regular season? Welcome back to the Gold Amble Nation podcast presented by Elite Roofing and Construction. Ryan Decker and Kevin Redfern here with you in our Morgantown studio. This episode is number 87 of the GBN podcast. Is that right, Kevin? Yeah, I believe so. Number 87. That's impressive. We've been doing this for a while now. I've gotten great results, I think, from it. We definitely appreciate everyone who's been tuning in for all these different podcast episodes. So, Kevin, West Virginia most recently played its last home game on Saturday, what turned into a 13-point loss at the hands of number 22 BYU. WVU 8-14 and 14 on the year, 3-6 and six in Big 12 play. All three conference wins have come at home for the Mountaineers, 3-6 and six in league play. Obviously not ideal, but we, if you think about it, West Virginia is only one and a half, two games out of the top eight in the Big 12 tournament or top eight in the uh, Big 12 seedings there. WVU obviously would need to get on a roll to make a move like that in the standings, but that's exactly what this team just hasn't been able to do at any point this year, really get on an extended roll. Yeah, I mean, the record isn't where they want it by any stretch, Um, but unlike some teams that are struggling at this point of the year historically, this West Virginia team has something that they don't have, and that's just a little bit of hope. I mean, hope that the starting lineup is going to continue to evolve as they continue to get healthier and back on the court at the same time. Hope that you can build a foundation to make a run in the Big 12 tournament. I mean, at this point, it's pretty obvious that the Mountaineers aren't going to make the NCAA tournament unless they win the Big 12 tournament. So they have a clear goal. They have a foundation to work towards that goal. And that's pretty much all you can ask for when you're struggling this much. And then those three conference wins that you alluded to, I mean, three strong conference wins over a ranked Texas team at the time, Kansas that's a competitor for the national championship, and then Cincinnati, the nation's top rebounding team, one of the stronger teams in a strong conference. So there is something to build on there. There's just now got to get those first, those first road win, that first, those first pair of back-to-back wins. And, and then once you start stringing those together, who knows what can happen. Josh Eilert mentioned it, at least to us, on the uh, Josh Eilert show, I believe it was last week. Uh, if, if he hasn't mentioned this, at least publicly yet, I know he mentioned it to us, that you know he, he kind of talked about it as it's now an 11-game schedule. And we'll talk about this a little bit more here in a little bit. But you mentioned just West Virginia has not had its complete allotment of players yet they looked at that when Jesse returned a few games ago and finally made his return to the starting lineup of it's an 11 game home stretch for West Virginia to not only prove to itself that it can play with some of these teams like it has at times this year but also to prove to teams around the country and people around the country that this can be a team that actually when it's all together when it's completely healthy fully you know on the court together that it can be one of a one of the better teams, at least, again, in the best league in college basketball in the country. Yeah, and it's tough. You say it's a, a home stretch, and that lights up a light bulb in my mind. It, it, only four of those final 11 games are actually at home. Mm-hmm. I know it's a different meaning a home stretch that you're looking for. But uh, it's going to take their best basketball, and uh, it, it's nice to have the luxury of being able to narrow down your season and control your own destiny, if you will. But 
let's not get it wrong. There is a lot of tough basketball to, play, to be played. Going to Texas, uh, taking on Baylor, um, an Iowa State team that's just causing havoc in this conference. Right. Um, every single game is going to be an absolute battle. So it will take an effort that we haven't seen from this team this year. And it's all that we have said thus far and everything we will say coming up just kind of rivaled by the fact that West Virginia has yet to win back-to-back games this year. There's a stat floating around that only WVU and DePaul among Power 5, Power 6 teams, if you include the Big East, they're the only teams that not win back-to-back games at any point this season. It's obviously not a stat you want to be on, but you know West Virginia has just been unable to do so, and you think that they've had chances to do it, have just been unable to get that second win. You think a two-possession loss at St. John's, a loss in the backyard brawl, a second-half comeback attempt against UMass that ultimately fell short, a one-possession loss against Ohio State in a neutral site game, disappointing loss at UCF in conference play, and then last Saturday's loss against BYU. All of those games denied what could have been multiple wins in a row. Of course, as we kind of alluded to, the theme for all of those games and really this entire season has been Coach Eilert and his staff not having the full roster available at really any point outside of just two games. Mm -hmm. And even the first time they had a shot to get those back-to-back wins with a full roster, I say full with air quotes, Akuka Cook didn't even play with a medical situation. He was pulled before the BYU game. So they're still yet to be in a position coming off a win where they have their full roster. A lot of that is circumstantial. I'm sure a lot of that does weigh pretty heavily over the team as well. And it's something that they know and something that they recognize. And that can't really help. So the best way they're going to get those back-to-back wins is putting a good product on the floor. If you're thinking about it and it's the main goal of the team, I'd imagine it's going to continue to loom large. There's that old saying in sports, practice like you play. That's been impossible for West Virginia to do at any point this year because you think you start the season with a couple players uh, suspended for various reasons or ineligible for various reasons, and then you've got a cook a cook who was unable to play due to his medical concerns. So practicing there, different than what you were seeing on the court because Raekwon, Noah, Kerr, they were able to practice, just couldn't play. You get deeper into the season, you've got a couple guys who are again, for various reasons, able to practice but unable to play, or at least able to do something in practice but unable to suit up on game day. And now you've reached this stretch where Jesse's back, so not 100%, but you're getting closer to being able to practice just like how you play, minus a cook right now, or at least hopefully he's trending in the right direction. But with West Virginia, for a myriad of reasons, which we're not going to get into, they've been this team has sort of been behind the eight ball, so to speak, from the jump of this season. And that eight ball has just continued to move with them no matter where the, the white ball or the cue ball has been this entire year. Yeah, and the luxury they have had is even though Jesse Edwards' return from injury was prolonged just a little bit longer than expected to start, his recovery while or his reintegration back into the lineup, he's performed better than maybe some expected when you're bringing a guy in who's not at 100%. I mean, he's still playing with a wrist guard on. He's still struggling immensely from the free throw line, 59%, which Josh Heilert said that was probably going to happen given his range of motion limitations. But Jesse Edwards is playing great ever since he came back, especially since he came back into the starting lineup against Cincinnati. And like you said, he's not at 100%. So when the best player on your team is continuing to get better, that's usually a good sign.
Obviously, for anyone who's followed this team knows that, again, for, for different reasons, uh, whether it be health or eligibility or whatever it may be, there's been a couple key players on this team. Jesse Edwards, Raekwon Battle, Kirk Creasa, who have been in and out of the starting lineup, in and out of the floor for throughout this season. Let's start with Jesse. We're going to get into a couple of these guys here, but let's start with Jesse since you brought him up. Uh, in his last two starts, since returning from that injury, getting back into the starting lineup, Jesse is averaging 20.5 points, 8.5 rebounds, and 3 blocks per game. Obviously, really good stuff, but now I think the question with Jesse and kind of alongside him is Pat Sumnick. How do you get those two to coexist on the floor together and get really good production out of both of those? Because we have seen in Jesse's absence, Pat Sumnick can be a valuable part of this team. It's just getting those two to play together. Yeah, and, and to be honest, I, I don't foresee those two playing together on the court at the same time a lot. I mean, coming into this year, Pat Sumnick was a four-guard stretch four. He could shoot, he could drive, uh, and he was kind of viewed more as a role player. Well, the team never had depth behind Jesse Edwards at the five. That has been a primary concern since before the season started, since before his injury, since before they knew Raekwon Battle and Noah Farrakhan were playing. That was a major concern. Now, in February, there are a dozen other major concerns, and depth at the five is not one of them because Pat Sumnick has shown that even at six foot eight, he can step in kind of seamlessly into that five role. I mean, a couple of double doubles, he set his career high in points twice. You're not going to see that anymore as long as Jesse Edwards is on the court. But when he does need a breather, Pat Sumnick playing the center position, that's a luxury they didn't think they were able to afford. So I think it's less about how those two are going to complement each other and maybe Pat Sumnick transition back to the four because that's not really what we've seen him play all year. That's not really his game. Maybe in another year, maybe in the future, depending on where his career goes. But I, I think that he's kind of re-identified himself as the backup center, um, and, and that's something that they didn't anticipate. Of course, a cook, a cook plays into that as well with, with sure. a, you know trying to trade and share minutes there. So that's one big thing. So the post players aside, let's now move to the guard positions because obviously Raekwon Battle at the start of this season, everyone was anticipating if or when he was going to play. We obviously got that answer uh, you know, in December of when he was going to play. He makes his debut. And really, ever since he has debuted, this offense has taken off. It really has. And you've got the stats that bear that out, just how much better this offense has been for WVU since he's stepped onto the floor against Radford. Yeah, though some of these stats might appear like marginal increases, we're now at a, what, 12-game sample size since Raekwon Battle and Noah Farrakhan have been at eligible and since Kirk Risa returned as well a game after that. But yeah, team scoring average, they're up um, almost three whole points per game from about 65 and a half to from 65 and a half to 68 and a half, I should say. Field goal percentage is up almost two percentage points, up over 40%. Three point percentage is up a full percentage point from 32 to 33%. And they're also making about a half of a three point or more per game. So those are slim margins, but the offense is undeniably getting better incrementally with those three, four players on the court. Uh, Raekwon Battle specifically, I mean, his emergence was fantastic. Four of his first five games, he scored over 20 points. And then all of a sudden you're hearing from all these opposing coaches, we knew Raekwon Battle was gonna be a problem. The moment he steps on the floor, there's a scoring threat for West Virginia. That's kind of been reeled back in recently. I think maybe in, I'll ask you the same question, but teams are starting to get that film on Raekwon Battle and uh, and start preparing for him. But that's been able to open up some other stuff. I mean, Kirk Carissa has been fantastic from behind the three-point line. Those looks, you can only imagine 
are coming from increased attention on battle. Um, so while his scoring average has only gone down or has gone down to only about 11 points per game over the last seven games, um, that attention is important. And uh, battle, while he still remains a threat, uh, a major scoring threat, uh, the attention that he brings has opened up a lot of opportunities as well. And Raekwon still continues to lead this team in scoring average at 15.5 points per game. Jesse Edwards second on that list, 14.8. And Kirk Creasa, who you mentioned there, uh, fourth on West Virginia's roster at 11.8 points per game. The, the bad thing is none of those guys have played enough to qualify for any sort of statistical leadership conference-wide, at least. You know, that, that's the funny thing about looking at West Virginia's stats this year. It's, you know, th- there are the stats, and then it's how many games those stats have been in to try to quantify what this all means kind of just team-wide and, and conference-wide. But, but you bring up Kirk Risa, and that was the other guy I really wanted to touch on because obviously the improvements to the offense, the improvements to how West Virginia has played here over the last month or so, can obviously be attributed to Raekwon Battle, but you have to give a lot of credit and a lot of attention to Kirk Creasa as well. The offense especially just seems to be so much better and operate at a higher level when he is both scoring and assisting at a high level. Since debuting on December 16th, Kerr has seven games of five of, of five or more assists, I should say. Eight games scoring in double figures. He has scored 20 or more points in two of the last three games, averaging four um the last uh, five games, 15.5 points, 3.8 rebounds, 4 assists, and 2.2 steals in, in that short amount of time. So th- those two, obviously, getting things done, but really, Kerr, he's A, getting it done on both ends. You mentioned the, st- or I mentioned the steals there, but it, you talked about, too, his ability to hit from deep. That's been a real advantage for West Virginia and it's kind of buoyed this team offensively from being one of the worst really the worst three-point shooting team in the Big 12 to actually now one of the better now that we've kind of gotten into Big 12 play and he's getting into the swing of things yeah I mean he's shooting 43 percent from three right now you talk about not qualifying for Big 12 leadership that would be first in the conference by a long shot over a player like Max Asmus who's lights out for three yeah so uh it'll be interesting to Interesting to see if that number kind of regresses back to the mean or if you can keep it up. But it, it was so interesting watching that UMass game, that first game back um, with Kirk Risa and with Noah Farrakhan. It's also the game that Jesse Edwards got hurt. But I'm pretty sure they doubled their three-point output in that game. Uh, they doubled their season high in three-pointers in that game. You could just tell once their the depth of their guard played showed that the three-point ball was going to get opened up in this offense, and that's continuing to be a huge thing. Looking at Kerr specifically, he's made multiple three-pointers in each of the last five games, and in every game except for three, I'm sorry, four, that he has played in this season. So, I mean, he's been the three-point uh just He's been the three-point option mm-hmm. for WVU this year, which has been nice, and I, I think it's something that maybe an added bonus from what we might have expected because Kerr had this reputation of just being a great assist guy coming in from the Pac-12. Well, we heard all summer long the coaches are saying, you know, Kerr's this magician with the ball and running the point and running the offense. But they were very vocal about how they wanted him to continue to shoot the three ball more because it's something that he's been very strong at throughout his collegiate career. He's been very consistent, but right now he is shooting the ball better than he has ever in his life. So that, I mean... 
development there. It seems to be his confidence is there. And whatever they told him to get him to start pulling the trigger a little bit more, it, it worked. Keep it going. Keep it going for sure. Well, we mentioned at the top that this is essentially West Virginia's bye week. WVU will go seven days between games against BYU and then coming up against Texas this weekend. We'll give you our thoughts on the open week after this. But first, a word from our sponsors and then comments from interim head coach Josh Eilert. This is the Golden Blue Nation podcast. Elite Roofing and Construction is West Virginia's and the region's top reliable roofing professionals. Elite Roofing LLC specializes in residential and commercial roofing services and is dedicated to providing customer service that is second to none. Whether you have a new construction project or need to replace an old or damaged roof, Elite Roofing offers roofing repair and replacement services with free estimates. We also work with a variety of roofing types, including metal, shingle, tile, and rubber roofing. All of our work is completed by trained and certified roofing specialists. We never use subcontractors to complete any of our work. We work with insurance and financing is available. Elite Roofing and Construction, roof with the best or leak with the rest. Despite the ill-fated efforts of President Biden and his wealthy New York friends, West Virginia coal is thriving and being shipped to 45 countries worldwide. Given its high quality and clean burning properties, countries across the globe are demanding and consuming it, and in-state production continues to grow. With billions of dollars of recent investment in West Virginia mining operations, combined with the reliability of our coal-fired electric manufacturing facilities, West Virginia coal is here to stay. No other fuel in the world matches West Virginia coal for base load generation and steel making. Like a good friend, it's always been and always will be there, keeping the lights on and contributing greatly to our growing economy. In fact, coal continues to sustain 50,000 plus West Virginia jobs, putting food on the table for Mountain State families. Visit friendsofcoal.org to learn more. A message from the Friends of Coal. It's time for a week off. I mean, we we need uh, we need to get our legs under us and 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 work on what we can work on, and, and especially going into a two-game road trip. You know, that's two very challenging games at Texas and TCU. So uh, to have your have your legs under you, and uh, if you look back, I mean, BYU, you know, they had their week off. So I thought they they played pretty fresh and and. and Rejuvenated, rejuvenated, and they looked it out there. This is the Golden Blue Nation podcast presented by Elite Roofing and Construction. Work with the best or leak with the rest. Ryan Decker here, Kevin Redfern alongside me. All right, so WVU has a nice break in between games here. We've heard what Josh Eilert says are the most important things to take care of this week. But Kevin, how do you kind of stack those? What's priority number one or what should be priority number one for WVU this week? I think it's rest. I, I think that they need to get healthy. I, I think that coming off a loss, you need to kind of wash it and maybe get some positive energy back in the building. A home loss to a ranked BYU team that was a winnable game, uh, I'm sure it didn't sit uh, very well post game. So I, I, I definitely think the rest is huge. Getting Jesse Edwards' wrist back, um, that that range of motion we keep saying range of motion. It, it's kind of hard to tell on when you're watching from either the broadcast copy or in the building um, how it is affecting him, but you could tell at the free throw line, and those points are going to be big in some big 12 games. So getting Jesse Edwards back and then the rest of the team, I mean, keep the team rested, keep the vibes high. Um, I think Josh Eilert has done a pretty good job of that so far this year amidst of some unfortunate occurrences and things that are out of his control. Um, 
so whatever he's got to do to keep the morale high and and on an off week like this when you're never going to see more than four or five days in between games again get as much rest as you can take I'm a little confused by Jesse Edwards' strategy at the free throw line. And this is not a dig at Jesse. I'm sure he obviously he knows way more about basketball than I do. And I'm sure this is this is well founded and he's being coached to do this. But so, so the the right wrist is the wrist that is injured. Yep. That's the ball that's the hand I should say that he has under the ball. The left hand which is your guide hand, he now has completely away from the ball when he's shooting a free throw. If your right wrist is hurt, why is that left hand not guiding the ball? Again, I'm giving yeah. WVU the benefit of the doubt that there is something there that, they, again, they know that I just don't know about the game of basketball. I'm fully conceding that. But that <laughs> that just confuses me ever since he's returned here, why that left hand is out by his side. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a great question. Uh, I, what I do know is when during his rehab, it, it appears that he worked on his left hand very well a lot he, mm-hmm. he was able to develop that a little bit more and he's comfortable with both hands in the post so maybe it's a he feels strong with it you don't want to overcompensate for the the weak hand with the strong hand but i, I don't know yeah that, that is interesting um i'd imagine that that is a major point of emphasis um on a serious note because the hack of jesse could be a defensive scheme for other teams and i was getting ready to say you know maybe we shouldn't be dissecting a big man's free throw right. uh tendencies because that's i don't think that's ever got anybody anywhere but but hack a jesse that could be a strategy especially you know if a game gets close down the wire and you're saying how do we if if you're the opposition how do we save some points it might be hack that guy Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely and and we heard so much in the beginning of the season before his injury oh what would happen if jesse edwards gets into foul trouble well the more physical the game you make it the more will you impose on him the more agitated he gets i mean to me now that these teams are starting to get some film on this West Virginia team in its entirety. I mean, it's no secret. It's Jesse Edwards and it's Raekwon Battle you're game planning for. And Jesse Edwards is probably the primary target. And right now, his Achilles heel is the free throw line. It pretty simple coaching, you know, mindset to have. Yeah. So I don't know. I think it's going to be a big, big deal inside the basketball practice facility. Yeah, that place I'm sure has been buzzing with just ideas and, and just right. how to get this team on the right track here this week as they get ready to embark on a two-game trip to the Lone Star State before they return home for a couple of games here. But we mentioned at the top that West Virginia has played nine conference games thus far. The Mountaineers 3-6 and six in league play. WVU has nine conference games left. Four of those, as you mentioned, will be at home. So obviously five will be on the road. The WVU Coliseum, the only place that West Virginia has won this year. Kind of a broad question here, but how does WVU go on a run, or a run, I should say, or better position itself for what it hopes is an extended run in the Big 12 tournament when, obviously, you need to notch at least one win on the road, likely a couple wins on the road, but just in general. How does West Virginia get itself in the right well, and place here? Well, I'll even add to that, too, when each game means the same when you're the number 13 team in the conference, and pretty much everyone, you and I actually think everyone they will play here on out is slotted above them in the rankings. So every single win you get is important. Uh, but, I mean... Going forward, it's going to take stringing wins together, something that they haven't done this season, something that we've gone into much depth about here today. Um, But you do get the benefit of back-to-back home games with Baylor UCF. I think those are huge. Taking care of business and getting back-to-back home wins when you now have, what, five other games on the road to end the season, those will be huge. And then uh, beating another team like Cincinnati, who you've beat, potentially beating a Texas team. If you walk out of Big 12 Conference play with two 
season sweeps over two of the top, the two teams in the top half of the Big 12, forget what that means for your resume. That will automatically put you in a great position, tiebreakers-wise, and moving up in the rest of the conference. Um, we can dissect each game and its meaning to till our heart's content, um, but finishing the season 500, if that's even possible, or, or I guess it would be, it's not. So finishing the season above 500 or hovering around 500, that would put them in a position to potentially not play in the first round of the Big 12 tournament. And you just look at the remaining schedule for WVU. Uh, you, you go through Texas has been up and down. That's the next opponent. TCU has been kind of up and down. Baylor's been a little bit more consistent. That's who they've returned home and, and play in, in two Saturdays from now. UCF, again, up and down. But that was a disappointing loss in Orlando that West Virginia would like to avenge. Iowa State... You unfortunately get the Cyclones in Ames, and that's just a tough place to play no matter who you are, no matter what Iowa State is doing. Kansas State is a little vulnerable at times, but K-State just walked in and beat Kansas. Uh, Then you look further down, Texas Tech, again, not as strong as they've been here over the last couple of years, but still a, a good team. And then TCU again and Cincinnati again, who you just talked about. It's, it, it's hard to see where multiple wins come together. But you also, on a different respect, you don't have to look all that hard because, A, of what this league does to teams, and you never know how maybe wounded, uh, potentially from a wins and loss standpoint, a UCF team is, or an Iowa State or a Kansas State team is coming into those games. And if you catch anybody on the right night, as West Virginia has shown this year with Texas, Kansas, and Cincinnati already, anything can happen. It's the Big 12. Yep, and and I'll, and I'll add to that too. I kind of mentioned it a second ago, but having two separate pairs of back-to-back home games, that's definitely, that, that, that. when we're talking about a chance to string stuff together, that's what we're talking about. And if you're able to build that foundation, get your first road win of the season, then all of a sudden you're in a great position to compete. Yep, there it is. All right, well, we're going to have some comments here from Josh Eilert here coming up right now. He spoke to the media on Thursday as West Virginia gets ready to face Texas and then, of course, TCU after that. Here's Josh Eilert from this week. I, I talked to these guys about the, the 11 game season. You know, we uh, Jesse's, you know, after that Oklahoma State game, which he was touch and go during that game, but uh, he certainly, you know, before the Cincinnati, we knew he was full go, and, and we looked at the, the season as an 11 game season. So here we are, one and one. Um, but uh, understanding full well that we have a lot of potential uh, still within us, and we got to maximize that potential on the way out. And uh, certainly not where we want to be record-wise by any means, uh, but uh, we're going to give everything we got every single day and try to improve every single day. There he is, WVU interim head coach Josh Eilert, speaking this week on what West Virginia uh, kind of has coming up here, this this second half of its Big 12 slate. WVU returning to action in the Lone Star State this weekend. It's a 3 p.m. Eastern tip against the Longhorns of Texas. That game will air on the Longhorn Network. Of course, we'll have coverage on our website, goldenbluenation.com, and all of our social media platforms of that game and also other games involving the WVU women's basketball teams and everyone else here competing for WVU. Kevin, you will be out in Arizona this weekend. Give us a quick scouting report on where you will be this weekend. And it's in Arizona, right? The, uh, the Waste Management Phoenix Open? Yeah. 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 Oh, you looked at me like I was crazy. Well, I couldn't see how that could be too relevant, but yeah, I'll be soaking just, up the I just, sun. I just want a quick scouting report here. Soaking up the sun, uh, Waste Management Phoenix Open, the People's Open, what they call it, uh, on right. the PGA Tour. Uh, it's the one golf tournament where people get loud. 
So at least on the PGA Tour, yeah. Liv is trying to replicate that as well. Uh, but yeah, I guess soak up some sun. Uh, it, it, down in Big 12 territory. <laughs> New Big 12 territory. Yeah. Yes, it is. Um, yeah, no, the football team will be down there in Tucson next year. Mm-hmm. So that they'll get some sunshine too. Um, and then, the yeah, the, the Big 12 next year basketball-wise is going to look a lot different as well too um, with the Arizona team's Colorado and a good Utah team. But yeah, no, I'll be down in Arizona. I, I unfortunately won't be tuning into the Longhorn Network. Um, well, so how much of your trip is golf and soaking up the sun and also goodwill on behalf of WVU and the Big 12, just welcoming? Right. Arizona. No, yeah, the, yeah. the, the ambassador, the yes. liaison, uh, bridging the mountain and eastern time zones. That, that is my goal. But yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be... Uh, I get a fun weekend, but yeah, the uh, golf is... Golf is in a is going through an identity crisis right now. Potential mergers happening. Um, some Arizona State alumni, John Rom, caught up in in a lot of that. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm I'm excited. I appreciate you bringing that up. Of course, yeah. I mean, the, the WV women's basketball team just did the multi time zone jump last yeah. weekend, going out to BYU, and Mark Kellogg spoke Wednesday night about some of the effects of that and how he thought that affected his team, uh, West Virginia's, you know football team and, and, and the other programs here, they, they will get a taste of that right. as we move on here. Mark Kellogg didn't like it, I don't think. I, I don't think he did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, you yeah, know, that's something they're going to have to get used to. Yeah. I, I, I mean, everyone here, it goes both ways, too. BYU is going to have to right. get used to that. Arizona, Arizona State as well. They'll have to get used to the multi-time zone jump here out to the East Coast. But I think that's going to wrap it up for us here on this edition of the Golden Blue Nation podcast. As always, we're presented by Elite Roofing and Construction, WVU men's basketball team against Texas this weekend. That's a 3 p.m. tip. Of course, make sure to stick with us, goldenbluenation.com. Peace. Peace.